You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Lisa. Guess what? What? We have another boy. We have another boy. When are we going to have some girls? Pretty soon, <laughs> I hope. Boy, can yeah, you introduce yourself? Hello, girls. I'm Simon, <laughs> and I'm from the Essential Apple Podcast. Welcome, and Simon. Welcome, Simon. And this is going to be episode 357 of the Geekiest Essential Apple Ever. Yeah. I love that title. Apple <laughs> Podcast awesome. Ever. Yeah. And we do want to make a note for the listeners that this podcast is going to be both in the Geeky Show Ever feed and the Essential Apple Podcast feed in about two weeks. So we're recording this two weeks early just because of stuff. We have we're reasons. doing a crossover, kind of yeah. like that time when Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley got together. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we are recording this myself. <laughs> on May 2nd to be released on May 16th or thereabouts. So if time anything travel sounds, is awesome. Yes, just just in case anything sounds a little dated or like, what are you talking about this now? That's why. So, Simon, how are you today? Melissa's packing up her house. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. Oh. But, um, excellent. Melissa's been on, you know, on the Essential yeah. Apple before. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I said we've got to get we you on our, you have to come over to our place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Simon, you have a whole list of things on the uh, sh- on our Google Docs here that you uh, wanted to talk about. So, why don't we start about uh, the virtual event that Apple held last week? Is yeah, there anything on there that you really stuff. liked? Yeah, we wanted to talk about um, our feelings about it. Yeah, what sure. Think? Um, I I enjoyed the event. I really did enjoy the event a lot. Um, I was pleased and somewhat surprised to see IMAX. Um, I wasn't convinced I had them on my bingo card, but, uh, you know, down at the bottom is a low chance, a low chance of IMAX. I was surprised that they came out with the M1. Um, I think most of us had been assuming that the IMAX were going to be held back until there was a, you know, a next one up M processor, M1X or whatever. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but this week the rumors are that the M2 is going into production for later in the year. Um after the event, when I thought about it and I talked to some other people, um, there was, you know, several people said, well, the M1 is generating so much good press. Um, I mean, I know Apple planned these things years ahead, so it's not really like they made a yeah, sudden just decision. Yeah, just kind of bring it out, dust it off and here you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, here you go. Yeah, we just thought we'd slap an M1 these after all and all the power Um, users went out and grabbed up all of the m1s you know the mac minis and the the macbook pros and the macbook airs and they did all those reviews and put them head to head and so yeah it kind of makes sense that an iMac that's ready for the masses i think yeah the the general view even though some of us were surprised i was surprised that they came out with the, the m1 um 
it kind of made sense after we thought about it because they appear to have gone in with the quote unquote consumer machine. So you've got the MacBook Air M1, the MacBook Pro M1, uh, which is almost identical to the MacBook Air, to be honest, except you get the touch bar and better speakers. I think two uh, more ports, I think. Doesn't the, the MacBook Air only has one on the other side, I think, and the, uh, the MacBook two. Pro. There's two, because that's what I've got one, and there's yeah. two ports, and they're both on the left-hand side. Oh, okay. So there's two ports two, on them on the MacBook Air. Yeah, two ports. Two. Um, the the you know the MacBook, the 12-inch MacBook was the one that only had one port, uh-huh. which is, is too few because you can't charge right. it and do something yeah. else. Yeah. Unless you so, buy all these other peripherals. My MacBook yeah. Pro, but it's a two, it's a 2016, but it has four ports, two on the left and two on the right. Right, that's what my. So I is. thought that I thought that had continued through to the M1 the, MacBook Pro. No, I think the M1 ones only have two ports, oh. and then people are suggesting. So oh. we've got um, that the M1, new ones will have more ports. Yeah, M1 MacBook Pro, M1 Mini that has four ports, two Thunderbolt, two USB C. Or I think um, the iMacs, the bottom of the range, the cheapest one, only has two ports. Oh, they're reducing the ports on those too, huh? That only has two ports. If you want the four-port one that they showed in the um, in the event, you need to buy the middle or higher one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting, but. We were thinking, you know, we thought actually that makes sense because they've covered the consumer range mm-hmm. with the M1. And right. now the expectation is that when they do MacBook Pro, quote unquote Pro, so the, the bigger one, the 16 inch, and the bigger Mac, because, you know, again, we're expecting that to maybe be 30 or 32 inches. Maybe. Oh, really? Wow. I don't Beyond know. the 27. I, well, you know, the screens are going that big now. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. lots of the lots of the people that I've spoken to, people we've had on the podcast and what who've gone out and bought M one minis, then went out and bought an LG thirty two inch screen, you know, four four K or five K. Bezels are getting inch. smaller, so But are they putting yeah. it across the room? That's just way too big for me. And plus, no, I don't I, have I can, the room. I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the physical room for something yeah. that large, but I think that would just kill my eyes well i mean nick oh you make adjustments you know nick who's uh you know our re- a regular co-host with me has bought a, a 32 inch but it's it's like ultra wide so uh-huh. it's it's not like a 32 inch tv it's 32 inches diagonally but it's right. it's not 16 by 9 it's i don't know you know, 25 by 8. Kevin would love that because, you know, people who do a lot of spreadsheet work like to have that width, you know. Yeah. I would love that. You know, uh, a lot of people obviously have got used to working with two monitors. You have one monitor that you you look at and one that you put all your pallets or your email app or whatever on. And Nick That's what I do with my MacBook Pro. I have my, my display in the center and I have my MacBook Pro off to the right. And yeah, I keep all the pallets and all the little stuff over there. Exactly. So what Nick's bought is this 32-inch ultra-wide monitor, which is in effect the same as having two monitors. So he can have two apps side by side 
and treat it like it's two monitors so it's it's extra wide it's not 16 by 9 giant so it gives him left to right space not so much top to bottom so as he said yeah it's big but it it's not 32 inch tv big you understand so you know i don't know whether apple would i mean the 27 inch machine is you know the older 27 inch machine is big but you you know you could go to 30 inches i would have thought because they've you know reduced the bezels they've reduced the mm-hmm. size of the chip they've also reduced the weight of the thing i mean it weighs mm-hmm. new, i was looking at that and i'm thinking there's somebody's going to make a tote bag for it you know <laughs> In fact, it, it's actually it's actually a very important consideration, I think, especially for the type of clientele that, that I've been working with. So many of them have a laptop. And the reason why they chose the laptop is because they wanted something that they could, not because they travel. I mean, in some cases, yes, but most of them, not so much. But a lot of times it's because they wanted something that they could carry into the Apple store to get support with. And I know several people who kept the box. In fact, we have one that somebody donated to us that they, and the box was in great condition. They basically used it like a suitcase because yeah. they would yeah. put the iMac, the whole big honking iMac in there and carry it to the Apple store to go get service, to go get training. Like they would take it to the training classes, you know? Yeah. And so well, a lot had- of them are like, this is, this is noise. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. So they would get a MacBook Pro. But then the problem that I've run into a lot is then they let it sit there in their desktop and they basically use it as a desktop and they're not benefiting from a larger screen by, by doing that. And the batteries tends to, to, to swell because it's plugged in all the time. So for example, mm. like I have a lady who right now I'm thinking about encouraging her because she's got a 10 year old machine and you know, it's on borrowed on borrowed time and she loves teal. And I'm thinking about getting her, you know, having her get the, the green one because she doesn't take her laptop anywhere. And she would benefit from that bigger 24-inch screen. And I think it would be really lovely yeah, for her. You know, and she doesn't need all the ports and everything. So. And it weighs, yeah. what they say, I forget what they say it weighs, but it. Enough I that think, she think, could put it in a tote bag, you know, with enough padding. Like, yeah, I'm oh, thinking yeah. there's got to be a market for that. Like, every time I see something come out, I think about all of the third-party vendors and all the things that can be designed for the product, where maybe it well, lacks imports other people are going to make other products to plug into that to expand it uh, and i can uh, envision a tote bag that's, that's designed to put this in that protects the screen and somebody could you know carry it easily to the apple yeah. store just like that <laughs> well you know some of us who've been mac users for a long time who remembers that the compact there would apple sold a tote bag for the uh compact max oh, i had one oh. i used to Did have you a, really? I used to have a well yeah, I actually had, um, what I had was um, a Prodigy SE, which was a um, an Apple SE with um, a, a, an accelerator board in it, which took it up to SE30 spec and a bag. And you used to put the bag and the keyboard and the mouse in there and sling it over your shoulder and lug it wherever you went. Yeah, I'm, I'm t- that- not totally off base then, right? I mean, it could happen. <laughs> Okay, the, no. uh, the and, size, uh, the weight of the 21 and a half inch iMac is just under 10 pounds. Oh, my God. That weighs I, as I much as my was, dog. I think, I, I'm not sure if it was Jeff. I think it was Jeff Gamut who said, I looked it up. That's 
about the same weight as my Pismo notebook back in the day. Oh my god! Yeah, I believe wow. it. Wow. <laughs> and you know, Simon, we have dogs that size, you... don't we? Yeah, yeah. I don't, don't know. I mean, yes. My my dog and yours are very similar. Your they Opal are, and my Vinny. I mean, mine's a um, Cavalier Poodle Cross. Yeah, I think yours, yours is, a, is little, a, a little bit bigger. Mine's a little multi poodle. It's not much bigger, but yeah, they're dead. Yeah. yeah, but they they look very similar. They're white. We and should put buzz. pictures of them side by side. That would be really cute. <laughs> purse puppies. <laughs> Our purse IMAX. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I so mean, that was exciting. Right, at least people we've had we've had people. Um, Back in the before times, as uh, Jeff would say, uh, at the Smug, you know, the Suffolk Mac Music Group, there would be people would come to do a presentation and they would arrive with their 27 inch iMac in, in the box. And why not? If you keep the box, it's one of the best ways you're going to transport the damn thing, you know, put it in I mean, the boot of the car, carry it into the. They make all of these leather accessories for the phones every year. There's always a leather case or something. I really, really think it would be really fun. A very tongue-in-cheek kind of throwback thing for them to make a tote. <laughs> I, I want an iMac tote. Giant, giant attaché case. Twenty-seven iMac. As long just yes, don't get that's, the that's what I out of it. I want, I want an, an iMac attaché. Yeah. <laughs> so what about AirTags? Anybody excited oh, about yeah, AirTags? AirTags. I, I can't well, AirTags. find a use for them. No, I'm, it's not something that has a great deal of appeal to me. Um, I I was pleased to see that Apple pitched them at, at you know the kind of market pricing. Uh-huh. No, there's no premium. There's no premium on the Air Tags themselves. Yeah, um, but the accessories. You know, we're back to Was has it pronounced Hermes? Hermes. Hermes. So crazy. Believe, yeah. Now the only on it. <clears throat> the only use that I personally have would be trying to find my suitcase when I'm at the airport. Wondering, because, you know, you stand there and you're like, is this mine? Is this mine? Is this mine? Because everybody's suitcase looks the same. But when you put your AirTag onto your suitcase, are you supposed to put it on the outside or on the inside? No. You can do what you like. I would I mean, not want it on it, the outside. I would think it would get damaged. I, it could come off. If it was me, I would be, you know, if you're talking about putting it in your computer bag, you're putting it in your purse, you're putting it in your travel bag, whatever. No, don't put it on a luggage tag. That's stupid. If somebody wants to steal your bag, they just take off the luggage tag and throw the thing away. Yeah, I mean, no. you've got that. Well, it could fall yeah, off. It thing. could be damaged, as you know. I mean, I've, we've seen the the people taking the suitcases and putting them on. They do not put them on gently. They chuck them. Well, you know, let's and face it. They've got a shift, however many bags, and they've got a very limited time. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying they shouldn't take a little bit more care, but you know, they're being lent on. There's five thousand suitcases but here. I, yeah, but get I can see. Minutes. I can see a tag getting damaged that way. So yeah, I would. So that's like my, my only use case because I don't well, lose I things. I'm not someone who loses my pocketbook or loses my keys i'm not i'm just not that person i thought about maybe putting one on my dog like if they made a dog tag but the whole the whole problem with this is that they're not anti-theft 
they're really just like, oh, where did that thing go? And it would be helpful, like if if Opal, you know, got out or something. Like when when we're, I'm worried about when we go to do the moving process and when we're lots of in and out, in and out. What if she gets out? She doesn't have a lot of wanderlust, so I don't worry about her really going too far. But you know, what if what if she gets packed in one of the boxes? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like there's just times where you know you could misplace something, and that would be kind of handy to have it. Um, the thing that I was really shocked about when they talked about it between the AirTags and the Siri remote was the fact that there wasn't Find My Siri remote enabled. There wasn't Find My for no, the Siri remote. Oh, my. And on top of that, you might have seen in the, in the show notes, I added a, I added a link. Um, I, I did. I thought maybe we might switch around a little bit if you wanted to use that as a transition to talk about that. <laughs> Right, Siri thinks you will be able to add your Apple TV remote to Find My, but as far as I'm aware, uh, they didn't mention it unless there's, yeah. unless there's something going on. But you'd think, wouldn't you? Especially yeah. after they had the whole the whole thing with the, like guy, the guy that dove into the couch. Like I was like, why? Why would you find a Siri remote couch. down there? Well, what did he find down there? As he went down, there was a bunch of coins. There was a bunch right. of pistachios. Yeah. There was. Um, I, like, and I think the there was remote? an iPod. There was an iPod Mini. I think there might have been a. There may or may not have been a Black Siri remote. I think it was. Um, I think it was Gazmaz on our show said I should be in Apple marketing. What you should have found down there, amongst all that other stuff, was the Black Apple Siri remote. And then they could have said, "Oh yeah, but the new one has Find My." So it. <laughs> <laughs> or if even you the silver one. The like, there should have been an older silver one down there. That would have been really funny. Actually, the thing is, the older silver ones were a lot less hard to lose than the black I, one. I put all of mine, including the black Apple Siri remote, I put them all in a glow-in-the-dark little sleeve, little silicone yeah. sleeve, which silicone is fine, sleeve. except that you have to charge the, the the silicone with light in order for it to really glow. And a lot of you times, when you lose it, it's dark, and it has, it's lost its charge. You need to leave it on the windowsill, Alyssa. Come on, you live in Tucson. You've got Arizona sunshine. Yeah, we do, except that it murders batteries. I, I, I always say this. Anything with a battery in it, no, you have to keep it out of the sun. <laughs> That's not going to work. So kind of like, you know, single point of failure there. Fail. Yeah. Um. No, the air tags. I mean, they they seem very good. Apple have worked really hard, particularly about the um, the security aspects. You know, the fact that if somebody tries to put a, a tracker in your bag or your pocket or or something, yeah, they were very mindful know, about it. Will say, right? I picked up a tracker and it's not registered with this phone, and it appears to be moving around with you. Therefore, um, you know, you have a tracker that doesn't appear to belong to you, which. It could be interpreted for one of two reasons. Yeah, you don't want somebody slipping a tracker in your pocket. And secondly, oh, you know, I, have I picked up the wrong bag? <laughs> have I picked up a, you know, an identical hold all to mine and it's not mine? Um, apparently, um, Apple have clarified that that will happen when you get home. So you know, when you arrive home, it will then tell you that you have a tracker that doesn't belong to you. Um, so not immediately, but it's still, um, that's still good. So, that you know, they seem to have done a lot of work on that, which is nice. But yes, 
um, as we said on our thing, you know, basic fail Apple, everybody else leaves a loop in it. So you can just put it on your keys or tie it onto something with a cable tie or a string or whatever. But um, so no. has anybody tried what, to, what, does anybody have the new Siri remote that they've tried to actually use Find My with it to see if it, if it shows up? I've no, they're not out yet, are they? They're not available yet. Okay. I think you can only just pre-order oh, it. second uh, half of May. I see. So this Friday. is all speculation yet, but hopeful. But you would think if they have got Find My in that, they would have touted it because yeah, they could yeah. have like mocked their own previous one saying, you know, much as we thought it was great, you know, we know you all lose it down the sofa all the time. So what have we done? Oh, the other one was, of course, several people in our Slack said, I'm waiting for the first rubber case. The, for the Apple TV remote that takes a that takes an AirTag, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> that was my first thought. I thought if it, I was waiting to hear that, and when they didn't say that there was Find My just automatically built into the Siri remote, I thought. And then when they announced the Apple tags, the AirTags, I was like, yeah, there's going to be a product. There's going to be a sleeve or something that you can stick one on there. Yeah, I mean, you can put one on it. But I mean, I was like, I, I'm afraid. Right in the typical Apple manner, I thought, I, I, I like it. I think it's very good. It's not for me, but that doesn't mean I can't see it being a big seller. I like the fact they did a, a you know, a four-pack for $99, which, you know, competes with pretty much the other people in the market, people like Tracker and Tile and, and you so You know where on. it's going to um, be really great, and if they even sell it for lower bulk pricing, would be in schools. Because I can just, you know, I'm just picturing right now the lost and found at the school. I mean, we haven't been there in over a year, obviously. But uh, when we did go back in the before days, you know, that was one of the biggest issues that I had with my with my oldest kiddo. Both my, my children have ADHD. And the, one of the features of that is just losing stuff all the time. And we went through so many water bottles and backpacks and lunch bags oh, and you know, stuff like that. It's like, that's where I'm, that kind of, I think that could really come in handy. Like, and, and water bottles I mean, aren't cheap. You but know, did, your, are but did your kids come home with the wrong boots and the wrong shoes? <laughs> Mine did. I don't know how. Yeah. Like, how do you that's come funny. home with someone else's right. boots? That's and I'm like, work one. boots. Because that was yeah. the thing when my or kids jacket. were in school. It's like, oh, interesting. Uh, how? Yeah, <laughs> my, um, my daughter describes that. Um, she's only, I think she might be mildly ADHD. Um, she's not diagnosed, but she, she says, "Oh, we call that out of existence." It's just oh. like you put your pen down, right? You yeah. can be using something, literally your phone. And she goes, yeah. "You know, an ADHD Glasses. thing. You put it down on the table, and yeah. it no longer exists." completely uh -huh. it goes out, out of your brain out of no idea where it's gone all right where did i put my phone did you literally just put it down on the table joe you know well yeah, that's one of the, the minute, best things it, about the yeah. apple watch <laughs> yeah but the, my husband my husband uses that feature the most on his apple watch was <laughs> yeah. finding his phone Quite because up, once you have the watch you're not carrying phone. the phone as much you set it down more frequently so you know I, I, I can see a, a big use case scenario for these air tags in schools for tracking things. And I, I, I could just see that, that would be really, really useful. Now, what's I the could, distance, though? I mean, if you leave it at school, are you still going to be? Yeah, I guess you will. You'll be able to find it, right? I mean, the, the, whole, the whole idea and one of the reasons that the tile have 
got the hump is that all previous trackers have had to rely on Bluetooth LE. And this is making use, as long as you've got a new enough phone, it's using both Bluetooth and U1, the white ultra wideband. And the ultra wideband, and basically any iDevice that comes near that tag will pick up its signal and it's it has a rotating anonymous code which is what it sends no identifying information that is then passed on to any device that comes within range and that is then relayed back to apple and if if it then says and then that is effectively tracked back and relayed back to the user apple don't know who the user is all it knows is this phone saw this tracker in this location and then that's passed from phone to phone and back to Apple and back to the user. So and it's a peer-to-peer it, network, effect, right? It, it's like a mesh. It's like a mesh mm-hmm. network okay. in, in effect to some what extent. What if you're in a of Android devices, though? What if, what if you're, you know, to you well, Apple devices and, to a whole bunch of uh, Android all around? The, ad, the Android devices cannot detect the air tags in that way. But if you find, if an Android user finds an AirTag, they can use the NFC feature to tap their phone on it. And if the user has entered details into the tracker, so if if found, you know, ring Melissa on this number or email my lost and found at 33mail.com, um, something else I'll mention in a second. But, but um you can enter those details into your tag, same as you can name it and do all sorts of other things. So they can tap it and get the details to contact you and say, I have found your air tag or your bag with your air tag or whatever. Um, That's like when you put your, your iPhone into lost mode, you can put a message on yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You can say, you know. Because so I've actually had to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and turn it off. Say you know this. This is my iPhone. Please contact me on, you know, whatever. Okay. This other um, phone number about, that isn't my phone number that's on the lost phone. Yeah, but um, well, I would. Yeah, yeah, it's no good putting your own phone number on it, is it? Um, right. That's why it's good to have a Google a Google Voice number for sure. Yeah, or you know, or various others. Um, and this is a bit off topic, but talking about I'm talking about safety and and um, air tags and and such things. One of the things I'm, I, I promote quite a lot on my show um, is email aliasing services. Um, I use several. Um, they're all free. Um, I use There's a, a, a service called sudomail.com, which is S-U-D-O-mail.com, which allows you to create aliases. I think the free trial lasts uh, a considerable time, and you can have up to about 10 aliases on that. But when the free trial ends, you can keep two aliases, um, which is, is good. And even then, you can change them. You can kill one and create another one. Um, I use another one called 33mail.com. And I use my favorite is simplelogin.io. Uh, um, and I had the developer on my show who talked about it. Uh, it's a brilliant service allows you to create email aliases on the fly so you know when you want to sign up to a shopping site you you create an alias on the fly and it can be 
No, Melissa's shopping for clothes, and then it will add a, you know, it'll be dot some randomly picked dictionary word at, and then uh, you have a selection of server names you can choose. And, uh, and no one will uh, ever know that I bought that leather onesie ever. It'll just ever, be between me and ever, the vendor. Ever, ever. Because you can, you can use it once. And once they've confirmed and your, yes, your sexy leather onesie arrives, <laughs> you can um, destroy, you can destroy that alias so that, you know, naughty leather, you know, naughty leather onesies. And they won't get cannot, tracked for more of them and find out. Yeah, that they cannot, they cannot email you anymore ever because 33 um pseudo no see i've got i get confused because i use all of them so that i can (laughs) generate loads of aliases all the time um pseudo simple Mm 33.org yeah yeah that's the one yeah but that that, they're all excellent and they all offer a free layer and that allows a lot of privacy and a lot of you know if you sign up to something and then they start spamming you with mail and you you click you know, stop emailing me and that doesn't actually make any difference. You can just go, right, well, I signed up with some dodgy site at not likely chum at, you know, simplelogin.co. You can just throw that away and know then they'll just get. So they're know, disposable email addresses, basically. They're disposable. Mm-hmm. You could literally make them on the fly. I mean, they all have a limit on the number you can have running at once um, and it and varies by service. Of- but advantage of this over apple's built-in system is that they're free i mean because you're basically you know if you have icloud and you're paying for it you're basically paying for well, the mail service well, well something you, else. Can, you can make aliases through icloud yeah that's that's what i was going yeah. for mm-hmm. you can you if can you're but up the, to um, well simple login allows you i believe up to 15 aliases running at any one time so the limit is larger and if you pay there are there are options like having your own custom domain and whatnot and and a whole load of other features but i just use the 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 free one because i've got things like you know i create emails like just my just my mail readdressed at such and such or i'm buying something off a dodgy site (laughs) whatever I just create these things and then, you know, if they start emailing me a load of junk, I just throw it away and they, they'll they do their emails will bounce forevermore and they don't know who I am. So there we are. Sorry, I've got, I, a, I've got a question about mm-hmm. Apple TV before we go on to our next topic. I want to go back a little bit. What are your feelings about Apple putting out more of a stick like a Roku? Do you think there's a market for that? Definitely. All right. The first thing I saw when they said, and now Apple TV, I thought, right, okay, a whole load of people. I I came up with this idea, and I mentioned it on the podcast, and I think I mentioned it on Bart's show. Um, I said, what I'd really like to see, and I think customers would go for, is an Apple TV in a sound bar with HomePod mini quality speakers and maybe a game controller for Apple Arcade. And, you know, $200, $250, that, you know, plenty of people are happy, happy to pay that money for a soundbar. And if it got you your Apple TV, your Apple Arcade, good quality sound, that would, I, I think a lot of people, and I, 
you know, as I've searched around the web, I've seen a lot of podcasters and YouTubers putting this forward as something that they would buy. And what did Apple do? They went, is the Apple TV exactly the same as before, except now you can have 60 hertz um, refresh rates and uh, a slightly better remote. And by the way, it's still $200. And I went, oh, it's targeted for gamers. Big mess. Sorry, it's for gamers. See, Which I would is... like to. I would like to see a stick like a Roku, because for yes. me, I do not want storage. I do not play games. I do not buy um, uh, movies or TV shows from the iTunes Store where I want to download it onto the device. I just want to put it in the TV and then just say, okay, now I want to watch Netflix. Now I want to watch Apple TV Plus. Now I want to watch Amazon. Whatever, just like I do with my Roku. I don't need it to be, uh, what do they call it? A, um, like a, um, oh, shoot. Hub. Yeah, like a home hub. That's the word I was trying to think of because I don't do that stuff. So for me, buying an Apple TV is way overkill. So all you my want TVs, the Apple TV Air. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like you that. You want the Apple TV I Air. just want a 35 to $50 stick that I put into my TV, just like I do with the Roku. That's all yeah, I want. Can have the same. You said that you can have the same navigation experience because it is wonderful. I mean, I've had a Roku, and I have an old uh, Amazon Fire, and I I much and I know I'm biased, but I much more prefer the Apple TV interface. It's just so much cleaner, and it's so much easier to navigate. I, I think it's if wonderful. they had it, announced it would that, be great if you just had a regular had light version. That, I would have ordered it right away. Mm -hmm. If they just had so you know, a fifty dollars stick. It would be mine now. It could be that there's not a market for it because they have opened it up to other smart TVs. So you don't need a stick. You just need a. You just need to yeah, buy a new TV, Elisa. Yeah, but you know, in my experience uh, with a uh, smart TV, it was mm -hmm. a nightmare. The TV we have right uh, is it the TV we have now? I can't remember now if it's the TV we have now or the TV. No, I think it's the TV we have now is a smart TV. It was so bad. I bought a Roku. The Apple I bought a Roku. Yeah. Because it just did yeah. not work. The smart TV mm -hmm. part of it never worked. You'd click yeah. a button like for well, MLB maybe. and it would circle, circle, circle. And then it would go, nah, never mind. So maybe if that happens to enough users, maybe they will develop something like an Apple TV Air because there would be a market for it. But right now, maybe they're thinking there isn't a market because they've said, well, we opened up the API for it, right? I mean, they've, they've made the SDK available for TV manufacturers, I, I think. That's what it what has happened. So more and more TV manufacturers are including it. But like you said, it might not be supported very well because, I mean, how do you get support for that? How do you you have to rely on firmware updates and stuff like that? So, you know, it's probably going to lead to a poor user quality experience, I think. So then maybe, you know, if enough time passes and enough people complain about it, then maybe they. But then again, they might not develop it because. If people are that frustrated with it, just like you did, you went out and bought a Roku. They're hoping that you'll go out and buy an Apple TV. I know you don't want the whole full thing because you don't need all the other features, but I think that's why they keep the 32 and the 64 gig. So we have the 32 version. I know I've all the way back to the version two, but the pl the problem that we've run into it, which is why I'm, I am excited for a future model, is that. The 64 gig is built for gamers. So you mentioned the the 60, you know, refresh rate, all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that gamers are after. And you need the bigger hard drive size and you need the beefier processor because as they develop more games for arcade, 
we ran into that. We ran into like a, a bottleneck. That's why we canceled our Apple our um, Apple Arcade subscription because we ran into an issue where we still have the we still have the the four version four, which is the HD model. So it's I guess two versions back now, which is still it works fine for everything else, but we ended up having to cancel Apple Arcade because the games that the kids wanted to play now are beefier. Like they're larger in size, so they take longer to download. They take up more hard drive space. So the best games are like at least a gig, right? And you only have 32 gigs to work with. You've got the operating system and all the other apps that are taking up space. So we ran into that that roadblock of, of just running out of space. It was like, well, what else are we going to delete? Now we're having to, del- to delete stuff. And then... At least twice we ran into an issue where, oh, this game looks really good. You know, we looked at the preview, you know, we read all the information about it, went to go download it. And it, and it gave a, me- a message basically saying that your your version of your hardware is too old. You needed to have the, the 4K version in order to play that game. And I thought, well, now how many more times is that going to happen? And um, I, I don't know what they have to do to compete, really, except for to land like a, a big name or, or something. But. I mean, Nintendo's where it's at for my kids. That that's when when they're gaming with their friends, it's 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 got to be Nintendo. They're not gaming with their friends on Apple TV. That that I can tell you because not enough of the other kids. It's not popular with the cool kids. It just isn't. So, you know, it's just not there for us yet. But I I have hope that you know they'll start developing more and more games as it as it gets more market share. But yeah, I mean, we're just kind of like. Eh. Meh. <laughs> We're not ready to really upgrade it just yet until there's something some real compelling reason to do to, to do so. And that is gonna have to involve Apple Arcade for us. Yeah. And Apple TV is just overkill for me. I'm gonna spend two hundred dollars just so I can switch stations. Yeah. It's not worth it for me. That's why I just buy Roku's. Yep. Yeah. So unless you get um, a better TV that has a better versioning of the app and and better support to get that firmware update so that you can get the latest version and it's not a nightmare then yeah, you're probably going to be stuck buying yeah. Roku's or sticks. If you're listening, I'm Apple, Apple, make a stick. I'll buy it. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, Apple TV Air. <laughs> My daughter, um, about two years ago, when she moved out, they bought um, you know, a fairly good quality smart TV. It was about 500 pounds. So, you know bit over $500. That's a pretty good TV then, it sounds like. It was a nice TV, but the smart features uh, are rubbish. Uh-huh. They are absolutely diabolical. So um, the hardware was good, the picture quality was good, but the software was meh. The, the smart TV part, you know, you just want to watch the telly. It's great. But when they tried to... um used the catch-up features it was slow it was laggy it was buggy it was just unpleasant certain things wouldn't watch for example they were trying to watch something and it would have things where it wouldn't let them watch live it would only watch them let them watch catch-up and in the end i said for god's sake just go out and get a roku box it's going to cost you 25 30 quid and they did, and then all of a sudden, oh, all the features work. And I said, yeah, you get a- access to Disney Plus and a- Apple Plus and all the things that you want, which, you know, by the way, either they or I am already paying for. So it's like, you know, get yeah, the like, use of You're going to spend all that money for something for it to be baked in 
and then the baked in features fail. It doesn't work. I mean, a lot of times I would log into something and then a day later it would tell me to log in again. It's like, but I logged in yesterday. And MLB was the worst. And I don't know if it was because of MLB or because of the TV, but like I said, you pick MLB and it wouldn't even show up. I put it as a favorite. Wouldn't show up as a favorite. And I'm like scrolling, scrolling. So like, where the heck is MLB? I'd have to go for a search, find MLB. And then it would just spin and spin and spin and spin. And not only would it knock you, not knock you back to the home screen, it would knock you completely out of the smart TV section. Oh my God. Like like all that time is wasted. You'll never get that back. <laughs> yeah. And after a couple of months, I just said, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's not worth it. I am it's done. I am. I mean, because one of the good things about smart TV work. is you don't have two plugs that you're plugging into the wall. You only have one, the TV. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't care. I have the outlet space. Not a deal. Yeah, the, the Apple TV experience, if, if you get the Apple TV, is just so much better. It's just so much cleaner, and it just works. I, I really like no, it. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I have an Apple TV 4, which is the HD, the first one with the Siri. Remote. Yeah, so that's the same thing as we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the older Apple TV 3. I have preview. that, too. I have that in the bedroom. <laughs> it's been yeah, prioritized. That, yeah, that's got, you know, shifted into the bedroom. But all the other bedrooms, I've got Roku boxes because they provide the functionality that the kids want. They're not interested mm-hmm. in all the other stuff. They're more affordable. They want, you know. I think it, that's been the biggest argument I, with Apple I, I TV could, is the price could, point. It's They're asking too much for what it is, I think. Especially compared to the competitors. Right. You know? right. They really need um, to come down the price point. So maybe the answer is to not make an Apple TV Air, but to just come down on the price point. Or, you know, they need to give you more for the money. Chuck in a couple of decent speakers, make a sound bar, chuck in a, you know, if you were talking $300. <laughs> Every and remote that you a, can find. <laughs> but it came with decent speakers in a sound bar format with the TV, you know, Apple TV baked in and a, and a controller for the games and all well, of a sudden ours has an optical output on the back of it and i'm not sure what the 4k has but i imagine it's probably something still the same you've got hdmi and then you've got optical for your speakers so i don't know about the speakers i mean i think you you know you can find great speakers you can hook up a pair of bows to them you know i don't know that apple necparily has to make those but that's I, the thing I apple just... makes like the intermediary a part of it and then all the other third-party vendors then that's where they get to shine by hooking yeah, their stuff I up just, to i just yeah, think for, certainly for people like me and you know amongst the people i've spoken to an awful lot of people have said if it came in a sound bar format with decent mm-hmm. speakers and maybe oh, a see. controller uh-huh. i would go for that i would i would yeah. not balk at spending 300 quid on that because i know i'm getting good audio quality a decent smart TV experience, decent games, a controller to play them with. Yeah, it would be basically Fine. an upgrade. You you could basically extend the longevity of an older TV or a not-so-smart TV and basically yeah. convert it into a smart TV. And, and, and yeah, the know, sound bar would no. totally upgrade the quality and we, of the sound. No, even quite expensive televisions have atrocious yeah. speakers yeah. in them 99% yeah. time. I mean, True. why TV makers cannot put decent speakers in there and they TV. put the speakers TV. in the back. Yes. When you're sitting in front the of the TV, but the speaker is behind the TV, <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, put the up. sound toward me. 
Makes no I'm sense. assuming that they work on the principal a bit like the the iMac and its downward firing speakers, which actually work really well because they bounce off the desk. Is that they're going to bounce off your wall? But of course, most people, you know, you've no idea what people have got on their wall. You know what I mean, often, well, here so in now, England, you may find walls have four or five layers of wallpaper because, you know, a lot of people in this country, you know, yeah, strip the wallpaper off. No, sod it. Just put more wallpaper on the top, uh, you know. <laughs> out <laughs> here, it's plaster and adobe, so. <laughs> well, you know, up, a lot of our houses, you know, basically plastered walls and then people stick wallpaper on and then the next person just goes, oh, I can't be bothered to steam all this off. I just stick more wallpaper on the top. You know, as long as it's not sort of, you know, bimirrored textured wallpaper. If it's just standard thin wallpaper, just stick more on the top. It's more it's insulation. It's insulation. It'll keep you warmer. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to make the soundbar version either. I don't think they're going to make the air version. And I don't think they're going to make the soundbar version because they have the HomePod minis. They'll, they just rather you buy two HomePod minis. So that's how you solve that problem. In their, in their eyes, well, I'm sure. But what I'm saying is, if if I mean, what what do the HomePod Minis? Ninety nine dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. A pair that's, of those. That's why I'm saying the price point has to come down really on on everything to make it really say, affordable for the average person. If you say, okay, take a slight cut on the price of two HomePod Minis or the guts thereof. Take a slight cut on the price of the Apple TV box. Chuck in a controller. They will fly off the shelves. They won't be able to produce them fast enough. Rush out and buy them. They really would. You know, Mm. dear Tim, please take note. I would buy, you know, everybody I've spoken to said I would buy that in a heartbeat. And most people. Okay, so here's a thought. Just gone, meh. Do you think the price of things are put maybe on purpose higher because of chipset issues or supply chain issues? Do you think? there's anything to do with that i think apple just love their prices and their margins and they mm-hmm. you it's know, the apple tax if, just gonna say yeah, it's the apple it tax is, yeah. and the prestige of saying i have an apple product versus a roku versus a fire stick yeah right the only yeah. problem there is that only holds up if what they're offering you has a you know a, a value proposition i'm happy to pay the Apple tax to buy an Apple laptop because I know I can Same probably thing. squeeze 10 years out of that. Right, um, right. You know, whether it's me personally or, you know, seven years for me and then three years for one of my kids. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy mm-hmm. to pay tax on an Apple watch because I can mm-hmm. squeeze. Not only, not only that, but apple's initiatives for you know just other you know social justices and things like that i think that i'm happy to pay the apple tax because they do so much for the environment they do so much for for people so that part of it factors in too but but yeah mainly it's a value proposition i i compared to like watching my other family members who have bought cheaper androids or pcs or something it's like I, they have their reasons. They they don't like the walled garden. They want to be able to do whatever they want with them. That's fine. That's fine. But then I watch them replace them a lot more frequently. So oh, then you got to oh, look at the point. at the cost proposition. If they're they're spending much more overall in the long run compared to what I'm but spending. Again, so I think it's just better I mean, value. The, the the thing there is you've got the fact that for some people they just cannot afford to stretch to 
Apple's premium price. You know, twelve hundred to well, fifteen hundred dollars for a laptop can be it's a, a lot of fronts. It really so is a lot of fronts. That's why you have to save. <laughs> it's like buying yeah, a car. I it's very much like but, you have to save up. That's what I do. I save my pennies and then I just buy it outright. But it takes me a long time to get a new product. It's not something that I that I do lightly, you know. But I think for some people, you know, if you if you need a laptop, you need a computer for your kids, whatever, and you can't stretch, you know, your budget won't stretch to an Apple device. You buy a five hundred dollar Acer or something, and yeah, so it only lasts three years. So over the over or two years, you know, over seven to ten years, you pay as much as you would for an Apple device. Right. But yeah, it's it's, it's about like, the long like, game for me. Yeah, but as long as you can afford that, as long as you can stretch to that at some point. I mean, I've just bought a new, you know, MacBook Air M1, and it cost me about $1,600, which works out at about £1,500 UK. That's a lot of money for me, and it was difficult for me in some respects to justify that. But at the same time, my old machine was a 2013. I've handed that off to my son. Mm-hmm. And I know that I will squeeze another seven to ten years out of this machine because by buying an M1, I've kind of future-proofed myself. Mm-hmm. Plus, they hold their value. I just I just got a new iPad. Sam's Club had a sale on them, and they were actually cheaper than the educational discount. And I was able to do this because the last iPad that I had, I think I paid, I got it on sale, and it was like $250. I had it for about a year and I was able to sell it for that same price because that's what Apple was offering a trade-in for. The The trade-in value stayed the same. I didn't lose any money on it. And I ended up selling, uh, trading in that app, uh, iPad and two other older iPads that still fetched a good price. And then I was able to take the money from that and buy a brand new one with double the, or actually um, I, I went from a 32 to 128 gig hard drive. So, I mean, and again, which, it's like they held their value and I was able to do that. So which one, which one did you buy, Melissa? The, just the, the eight. Yeah, just the basic eight. I don't need the pro and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've tried to go without an iPad, but I need it for work because I have so many clients who use them and they'll ask me a question. I'm like, hold on, let me go grab my iPad, you know? So, yeah. And keep in mind, the 32 is getting for people small. like us, we use our devices to death. Yeah, we we're do. constantly... We're recording, we're editing, photography, or video, or drawing, or writing, or something. We are constantly using. We're not the kind of people that buy a computer and then once a week log on to check email. Right. So for us, it is worth the money because we are using the product. Right. Nothing goes to waste in this house at all. (laughs) Everything gets used and loved and, you know, and then passed down, so... Yeah, I, I usually yeah, that's, that's that's interesting. That's the first time thinking about it now. It's the first time I've actually gone through the the trade in program because um, normally I do pass them down. But this was a case where the trade in values actually went up because I've been watching. Remember, at least mm-hmm. I told you, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, they went up like ten, twenty five dollars, and I thought, you know, might as well just trade them in. And because they, it got to the, be the point where the kids just weren't really using the iPad because they have their they're they're happy with their laptops. You know, they're they're happy with what they have. And occasionally the iPad was coming in handy if like the, the Chromebook wasn't logging in or something like that. But by and large, they just weren't really using the iPads that much. So that's why I decided to trade them in and get money for them instead of them just 
Because normally what I'll do then also on top of that is, you know, in addition to us using them really hard and, you know, just working them and getting, you know, squeaking out all of the, the value out of them is a lot of times I would repurpose them. You know, somebody gave me an old iPhone. It's got a tiny little crack in the corner, but it still works fine. I repurpose that because it's not, it's, it's an old six and, you know, it's just not, uh, you can't put the newest operating system on it, but the camera works just fine. So I use it as a puppy cam, you know? So yeah. you can repurpose these things, you know, they don't have to go into a landfill, but you know, once you can't get any money for them, so you can either let Apple recycle it or you can repurpose it into something else. So that's why I say I mean, like that, nothing goes to waste. I mean, that's a classic reuse of an older phone. Even if you're talking about six, you know, it's got a good quality camera, repurpose yep. it as a webcam. Yep. There are apps you can buy that will turn them into mm -hmm. security cams for your house. Yeah. And back before when we were leaving the house, we used many thing and we would just turn it on and point it into the living room. And it has that feature where not only does it have a good camera, it still has a good microphone and speaker. And mm. we would leave the house and then we would talk to Opal because <laughs> anything yeah. more than a couple of hours and she starts getting really, you know, she has major separation anxiety. But then we were able to like talk to her and, you know, calm her down. And, you know, we'll be home soon. Happy <laughs> <laughs> camp. Now, there you go, you know. Have either of you had an experience so far with the app tracking device? So do you uh, mean with the, the new version of 14.5? Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, we were going to get into that. I only just upgraded a, a little while ago. And uh, what does the article talk about? Where So if you go into settings, and this is with 14.5, and then you tap on privacy, now, in addition to where it says location services, right beneath that is an orange icon and it says tracking. And so we were going to talk about this. We, we wanted to save this for the show. So originally, the switch is turned off and it says allow apps to request to track. So why would that be disabled by default? Why wouldn't you want that on Automatically, that's. I know it doesn't seem very Apple-esque. Usually, they have the switches turned uh, well, on. So they this is a very it. confusing topic, mm -hmm. from what I understand. Yeah. And and if you Get know about this, Simon, correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is, if you turn it on, you're telling all apps do not track me. But if you turn it no. off, they have to ask you permission. No, I think no, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Yeah. Okay. If you, you, you want them to request, you turn it in other words, is, don't just do it automatically. Right. If you if you turn it to on, it says allow apps to ask me to track. So then every single app will ask you individually, is it OK for us to track you? So Facebook or Twitter or whatever. If you turn it off, which is why it's off by default, off is no. That's a default no to anything. So any app. If that's turned off, any app that wants to track you gets an automatic no from mm. back from your phone. No. So you want to leave this off. It. If if you're not interested in being tracked at all, you just leave it on off. That is no, don't track okay. me. I'm not interested. Go away. Um, if you, for some reason, feel that there might be some apps that you want to be able to track you for whatever reason, you turn that on, but the trouble with that is every single app that wants to track you will pop up uh, the first time you use it 
will pop up a dialogue saying, are you okay with us following you around the web? And, you know, I have, and I have yet to have an app do that. I turned it because on. Well, no, I turned it on. I turned it on. I turned yeah, see, it we're on. Right. So I wanted to turn it on because I wanted to see which apps would actually do that. Facebook I went, okay, didn't wait, do gonna, it. Twitter didn't do it. Instagram didn't do it. No, Apple has Why? said because Apple have said it may take you know a few weeks for these things to filter oh. through. Oh boy. Um, okay. This is a rollout. I have, yeah, because they've got to get all the the app developers, you know, to agree to it. Um, I read Which an article you're starting today. to see that in the App Store. When you go to install a yeah. new app or re-download an app, it now gives you what are they're, they're kind of like referring to this privacy. as like a nutrition label. <clears throat> I guess it's a privacy label. And it tells you what is going to be tracked or if nothing is going what to be tracked. What data they're going to be collecting on you. and Right. And and yeah. some of those, you know, if you're going to download an app that hasn't been updated in a while, it lets you know about that. You know, so you got to be careful looking at when the app was last updated because it might not be up to spec. So basically, if you don't wish to be tracked, just leave it on off and you won't get asked by any app at all, ever. Because to any be time it's tracked, it will be Apple says no. <laughs> To be fair, there is a little um, text link that says learn more. And when you tap that, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it does explain it in more detail. And I mean, I'm just skipping skimming over it, but I bet if we read that and read it over, it's a long scroll, but, you know, it does explain everything that it does. But these toggle switches really confuse most everybody that I encounter. Yeah, but everything I'm reading about it, nothing has been crystal clear as to what mm-hmm. happens if you turn it on and what happens if you turn it off. So sometimes I read it and I'll go, oh, okay, I'm supposed to keep it on if I want them to ask me to track. And then I'll read something yeah. else and go, oh, I'm supposed to turn it off if I want them to ask me to track. Okay. But I've done huh. it both ways for a couple of days now, and I've yet to have anyone ask me. Hmm. See, and I um, wanted to throw the switch on just because I was curious about, like, I envisioned when when I thought, okay, I'm going to throw that switch on. I envisioned every time I go to open a new app, a a pop-up is going to appear and ask me about it. And then I envisioned, oh my God, this is really annoying. Let me just switch it off so they don't get constantly bombarded with those messages. So that's what made me think that leaving it off, you won't get told, you know, you won't get asked because you simply just won't be tracked because that's the way that Apple wants to protect your privacy in the first place. But if you turn it on... Yeah, then you can expect to see, you know, pop-ups constantly telling you. That's that's why people get really um, worried and incensed. Like a lot of my clients, for example, just to bring this back to, you know, my my experiences in the field, they always get really, um, it's almost as if their ears perk up. You know, they don't, they might not be able to pay attention or, or follow something. But when that message comes up that says, um, do you want to allow your location? They get really worried about that. And a lot of people will just by by default, they will say no. Do not let my location be known because that's like a, that's something very scary that says, mm. you know, I don't want to be stalked, right? But what they don't realize is that, no, you're not going to be stalked for nefarious purposes. Like, for example, the Maps app, they, they'll they say, no, 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 turn it off, turn it off. I'm like, yeah, but 
if you want to use the maps, you need to turn it on because it needs to know your location so it can give you directions. Like this is a good thing. So it's really difficult to to frame these tracking things in a positive light that there are times where you, yes, you do want something to be tracked. Like for example, Lisa I mean, and I, would... we use Rakuten, we use shopping coupon clipping apps, you know, that's tracking in all its finest. I mean, you want to be tracked because you want to be able to save the money on that, but you're making kind of a deal with the devil in a way. Like you're, you're, it's a trade-off. You're trading your privacy for money. You know, you're trading your privacy so that yes, they, they'll see that you bought that leather onesie and then they can track you and they can, you know, give you coupons. Hey, Melissa, you bought this leather onesie on this store. Well, here we have this, uh, this, you know, the leather pants, you want these too, you know? So, you know, it's, it's a convenience. Is it stalking? Is it, you know, what is it? Is it anti-privacy? What is it really? So yeah, it can get very muddy. It, it, it can get muddy, but for example, um, here in the UK, a lot of supermarkets have loyalty cards. Okay, the most famous being um, Tesco's have a thing called the Tesco Club Card. So when you buy your shopping, so you go, you do your grocery shopping, and you scan the card, and they give you uh one point for every pound you spend so it's a one percent cash back effect and every quarter they will send you a a, send you a letter saying you spent or you've collected so many points they didn't tell you how much money it equates to because that's scary but it's like you you've accumulated x number of points and each point is worth a penny so here's i don't know uh, a voucher for ten pound off, right? And you can go when you go next go in the store. You give them that voucher, and they, they just take it as money and knock it off your bill. Now, obviously, the reason they do that is so they can see what you're buying. Okay, they use that to see what customers buy, what customers don't buy, what sells. Um, they used to, as well as sending you some money back vouchers, used to send you vouchers saying. Oh, because you bought, I don't know, um, a bottle of scotch, how about you buy a different bottle of scotch, but we'll give you, you know, currently you got £2 off if you buy a different brand of scotch. Or They've stopped doing that. I don't know if that's because of privacy concerns or GRDP. Now they just send you the cash vouchers. But they still use that to figure out what stuff is selling and what isn't. They do the same um, thing yeah. here. The buyer, they do the same the thing here. Buyers can go do their job. You know, we see yeah, that I'm you're sure buying Oreo do. cookies. Here's a fifty cent coupon. Yeah, exactly. Um, as I so say, many people get here, creeped they, out by that. Whereas, like, sometimes it's kind of a convenience. You know, I don't. How care. do you decide when it's a convenience and when it's, it's a, creepy? It, right. Well, I think the difference is, and this is something I don't think people always understand. I don't have to have a Tesco's club card, but I choose to have one because I get effectively a 1% cash back by using it. Sure, Tesco's then figure out how often I go into their stores, where I go to their stores, what I buy in their stores. And in aggregates, of course, they can figure out 
what products really are selling, what products are not popular, what products are niche, which they can use to tailor what they keep in stock. They can go, I mean, for example. What drives the supply chain, really. I mean, well, it's, and they, it's and a they reward you for your loyalty. One of the grocery stores here will put on your receipt. If you come back between this date and this date, so say it's March 1st through April 15th, and you spend $300, we will give you a 20-pound turkey or a ham for free for Easter, and they do it again at Christmas, and they do it again at Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that and, makes and you as the customer say, okay, I'm going to go to this store so I don't have to spend $20 on my Thanksgiving turkey. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. Sure, they're recording what I do, but I consider that to be a fair deal between me and them. Where I think tracking gets creepy is if Tesco's were also tracking what I bought when I went to Asda or Sainsbury's or right and this this mm-hmm. is the difference as far as I'm concerned I've made a deal with Tesco's I will let you know what I buy and when I go to the shop and what times I go uh, I mean even something as, as I'll help you do your job you know I'll help you I'll contribute my shopping experiences and my feedback so that you well, can make better choices about what to put on the shelves and then that benefits us both but about don't go tracking me outside of other stores like no this is our relationship here you know yeah exactly and also you know it maybe it helps them decide what are the optimal hours to open a store in my area right if they find from that information or if a store that, is even needed up, in your area well yeah or you know well between 10.30 and X amount of time in this store, the amount of money we generate is fractional. Why are we bothering to stay open? We have to employ X number of staff at X, you know, per hour to keep the store open and we're generating 500 quid. Well, shut the store. Shut the store at 10 o'clock and be done with it. You know, there's no point staying open till midnight. But Facebook and creepy and is these when it's very personal things. Yeah, and the other but thing like, is, you, you know, know, pregnancy or death. You know, those kinds of things. Like if I'm, uh, if someone's passed away and we were shopping for urns or caskets, you know, I really don't want to be followed around when I'm, you know, on Facebook or some other social media site. I really don't want to see more advertisements for urns and caskets because please, I'm grieving. Leave me the hell alone. You know. That kind of stuff. Or, you know, I was hoping to keep that pregnancy private. There's an article that's just, I'm just seeing it now from The Verge. And it says, Facebook and Instagram notices in iOS apps tell users tracking helps keep them free of charge. So it says Facebook is continuing its campaign against the privacy updates, saying that this, if you, um, we want you to, to keep Keep the ads telling users the information it collects from other apps and websites can help keep Facebook free of charge. So that's going to pop up in the tracking. So they Uh want you to say, oh, okay, you can keep tracking me so that I don't have to pay for Facebook. Let me tell you, Mm -hmm. how many Mm -hmm. people are actually going to pay for Facebook? Yeah. If Facebook said... That's why they're so worried about it. Of course it is. Because Mm -hmm. if they... If they were, you know, if they 
they're never going to charge people. If they said it, Facebook is $5 a month, if they said Facebook is $10 a month, it doesn't matter. Probably even if they said it was $2 a month, people would just don't go, oh, sod that, I'm off. Exactly. Right? I wouldn't there give them a penny. Another... No. 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 Nope. Right? And this is what I'm saying. What is creepy? There's a deal. I used to use Google, and I was quite happy with the fact that by using Google Mail for free, that they were kind of aggregating the content of my emails to try and feed me ads. I and didn't then I, really we just care. bypassed it by using a client. Yeah, and then, but I didn't really care about that. The reason I've never been involved with Facebook is because right from the start, it was clear that they are they are following you around a web. They want to know everything. It's not what you do on Facebook. It's what you do on Twitter, what you do on every website you go to. You know, they're trying to find out, like you said, Melissa, did you go to sexyleatherunderwear.com so that they can send you a load of stuff? Now, you know, if I went to chainmailbikinis.com to buy something for my wife, I don't want Facebook then basically filling my timeline with ads for are you into kinky medieval underwear? No, I don't. I'm a right? simple no. girl, Simon. I just like my leather. You're, she, you're just wants, she just wants the leather now? onesie. Exactly. Maybe a lacy camisole. But there's all the there's all this stuff. And like you say, pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I saw That's an article like super about super invasive. Like they can actually track yeah, I, cycle I, and yeah. I, I saw an article by a woman. It was called "I Tried to Keep My My Pregnancy Secret from the Internet." This too. is how it went. It's I a yeah, it's a terrible clickbait. This is what happened next, kind of headline. But unsurprisingly, you know, within minutes, she's getting bombarded with ads for Pampers and and cribs and. Well, the thing I worry like, about is ow. the targeting of seniors. I, you know, my parents, my clients, I, I see that happen so often where, you know, they just want to go on Instagram. Instagram is the worst offender, by the way, in my opinion, you know, or, or oh, Facebook, um, but mostly it's Instagram because, you know, that's just a one strip that you're scrolling through. And even I see it. I mean, the ads are really, really crafty and they're really, really tailored. You know, they're really things that you're interested in. And I'm not saying that they're all scams, but so many of my clients will fall for that kind of stuff, you know, and, and the, oh, yes, I want this cleanse product. I want this juicing product or this new supplement or this new vitamin. And, you know, you just don't know how they could be harmed by that. And then next thing you know, their information is sold from that company to the next company. And, you know, it's just it's it's ripe for it's ripe for scams. And, and that's just it, it breeds complacency is what I'm really getting at when you allow these things to track without you know, just with complete abandon, I think it just kind of breeds complacency and, you know, pretty much after, before you know it, you're being tracked for everything and then you could be suckered into something without even knowing it. So it's just something to, that's why I wanted to put the switch on because I wanted to, I wanted to see what was actually going to be tracked. I wanted to educate myself on it. I was just really curious about that. But, you know, overall, I think, I think especially with things like Facebook, you know, I don't like to even keep the Facebook app installed on my phone. You always hear these stories about like, is Facebook listening to you? Like, you know, do they somehow tap into the microphone? Usually I just kind of dismiss that and I think, oh, that's just conspiracy theory fodder. But then there are times that I'm like, I really think it does listen to me. I really just have to wonder 
you know. So I don't like to keep the the app installed. Plus, it just takes up so much room. And, you know, it's just kind of a, a nuisance after oh, a while. Terrible. But like I wanted to sell some things, you know, we're, we're getting ready to move. And so I wanted to sell some things in a yard sale. And the best way to do that is through Marketplace. So then I had to install the app because you couldn't just, you know, load it on the web very they they make it they purposely make it difficult for you to work the the web in, interface and so that you're almost forced into I mean you have to make a choice either either you're going to suffer or you want to be able to get the stuff done efficiently so you're going to have to install the app and it really you know there's not really much of a choice there when it really comes down to it so I I don't know I just think some of their practices are kind of stinky when it comes to that yeah. it, it makes me well you- you know, you said Insta- you feel Instagram is the worst. We discussed an article, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. We came across an article which was what different companies track about you and, well, and how and much. Instagram is Facebook. I mean, they own them. So, yeah, it's they one are. The same. But mm-hmm. actually, Instagram is even worse than Facebook. That's they what I are. think. Yeah. But no, this guy, you know, they've done a thing about who records what and how much of that stuff that they retain do they consider viable to sell to other third parties. Instagram was way worse, way worse even than Facebook. Way worse even than Facebook. The mm-hmm. amount of data that it collects and the percentage of that it considers viable to be, you know, sold on or, you know, monetized to other um, companies is way more even than Facebook. I think Facebook came in at about 75% of the data it records about you it considers viable to be sold on. I, mm. I, I can't remember now, but I think that I think the Instagram was somewhere like 89% and also it made a list of all the things it tracked and Instagram tracks even more things than Facebook does. Mm. So and you know and it's and it's so irritating too because i see all these people you know virtue signaling and saying you know oh i quit facebook and i'm you know i'm deleting my facebook and you know i'm out of here or whatever you know that's that's great you know good for you i i've thought about it myself so many times but it's just one of those things where it really takes hold because then if i quit facebook then i can't advertise for my own you know small business there i have several clients who contact me through facebook it is the internet for a lot of people. I have so many family members that are on there that I would lose touch with if I quit it. So I really have a difficult time trying to extract myself out of it. Facebook is kind of like the new AOL. It is very much so. For a lot of people, Facebook is the internet. That's all the internet they use. Yep. And in some countries, it's, you know, the monopoly there. And you Mm -hmm. and I have talked about this before, Melissa. Facebook, for me, is a good resource for genealogy. Genealogy, And I've gotten in touch with family that way. So I have two on both sides of my family, my husband's side and my side. I have have two genealogy groups. So that's that's hard to leave, you know, and they know that and they, they capitalize on that. And that's what's really frustrating about it. You know, you know, back in the days of MySpace, you know, my it used to be MySpace. Remember when it was MySpace? Yep. And remember when we all started to say, mm, right. MySpace yeah. is becoming the the trailer park of the internet." You know, it's it feels like it's going that way for for Facebook too. I mean, what what made everybody abandon ship on on MySpace? Why did we all? I never leave went MySpace on MySpace for fa- Facebook. I never used it, so I have no I, no idea. Did you use it, Simon? I, no, no, it was kind of. I'm of an age where when MySpace came along, 
it was all ready for people who were slightly younger than me and mm-hmm. new to the internet. It was very much a place where people would post their kind of teenage lives and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. my playlist of songs I'm listening to now. Wasn't it music? My drama. What people are doing oh, now on YouTube, they would put their, me- that's their what it music turned into. Would, on MySpace? That's what it turned into. MySpace migrated towards that. It, it started out as just being a personal blog. That's that's how I got into it because, you yeah, know, I had recently become a stay-at-home mom for the most part. And yeah, it was microblogging. That's where I basically started my baby blog. I thought, okay, this is free. You know, this is a place where I wanted to, I mean, back then it was like, who's going to read it? <laughs> you know, I thought of, I never ever thought it was private, of course, but it was like, what was I willing to put on there? And that's how I got started. And I will say there was a lot of um, good things about MySpace. For example, it gave young girls an in to STEM because you know, I, myself included, I learned a lot about HTML from MySpace because they made it so that you could customize it. And, and you know, it was yeah. really big for young girls. There, there have been some young girls that made a million dollars because what they did was they were entrepreneurs and they would sell their code for like 99 cents. You know, you could pay a, a young teenage girl 99 cents to, to put glitter on your MySpace page or to you know, design it or give you you know, upgrade your page, you know, make it look really nice. And they were capitalizing on that and making good money from it. And to that, I think that was really, really a good thing. Um, But yeah, so then I think what happened was it went in a new direction. I think, I think it went under new management or something. It was bought or something. And it became more of a place for people to um, showcase their wares as far as music was, you know, so then it became like a budding um, place for musicians and artists and things like that. Well, and that was great, but it didn't suit my needs anymore. I mean, MySpace is still going, actually. Mm-hmm. And if you go there now, it is very much um, a kind of music-oriented thing mm-hmm. and basically budding musicians and bands mm-hmm. without a contract. Right. It was a really good platform to get started on. Yeah. And it didn't and feel so much like they there, were taking advantage of you. A... No. Mm-hmm. Um, I but then I think really Facebook capitalized off of the people leaving MySpace, and then they were like, "Hey, we can sell this stuff," you know. Yep, there we go. So, Elisa, well, you, you got anything else? No, I think it's time that maybe we'll wrap up for today. We could go on and on and on and on, <laughs> but <laughs> it's been a good discussion on tracking and creepiness and chainmail bikinis, and you know, you got to tune in for that. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in for the air tag. Stay for the chainmail bikinis. That's it. Yeah, I know. maybe it's going to be the essential Apple pod, you know, the geekiest essential Apple podcast ever, featuring chainmail bikinis. <laughs> I have to get one of those. Um, what's his um sort of Fritz Lieber type cover art to put in the on the show? Uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> Simon's wheels are turning. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. So Simon, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. We had a good time. If oh, yeah. listeners want to get in touch with you, how would they do so? Uh, well, the easiest way uh, to get hold of me is uh, my Twitter, which is at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. 
Um, and for those who care to know where that name came from, it's the name of my favourite D&D character way back in the day. Um, and uh, I sent Melissa a, a photo of a Hero Forge design miniature uh, of what he actually is supposed to look like. But there you go. Um, and of course, I'm on the Essential Apple podcast. And uh, if you want to listen to that, you can find it in all the usual places. Uh, or over at EssentialApple.com, and we have a Slack if you want to join in with all the mad chatter that goes on in there. Yep, Melissa and I are there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you. Excellent, and, and thank you for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. And uh, yeah. if you didn't catch that, listeners, uh, all of Simon's information will be in the show notes. And Melissa, how can people get in touch with us? You know, if somebody wants to send you a leather onesie or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Please send that too. Well, I would start with Twitter so that everybody can can share in that. I, I really should be careful here, but <laughs> <laughs> you can, <laughs> oh, what the heck. You can go to uh, twitter.com slash uh, at geekiest show. That's where you can find us over on Twitter. You can go to our website, of course, uh, geekiestshowever.com. And we'd love to hear from you there by uh, by way of comment. It'd be nice to know if the comment section is working for real people and not spam bots. Of course, now I probably just all of our spam is going to be all chainmail bikinis and leather onesies. That'll that'll be fun <laughs> because you know we're being tracked. Uh, right, exactly. So uh, you could also email us, go old school, and email us uh, podcast at geekiestshowever dot com. Great. Okay. Thank you, listeners, uh, both Geeky Show Ever listeners and Essential Apple Podcast listeners. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. We will, both of, of our podcasts will be back soon. So again, thank you for listening and please stay safe. everybody this is simon parnell the host of the essential apple podcast the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in apple news reviews technology security and anything else that catches our eye plus from time to time we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products their services their history their philosophies what uh, drives them and of course just what makes them tick that plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in apple what more could you possibly want check us out on the my mac podcasting network 